With the NFL season less than 100 days away, it's time for the way-too-early AFC playoff standings predictions. We'll go 1 through 16, and we'll base this how they would shape up in the playoff race. So let's get into it. Outside the Pocket starts now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Outside the Pocket. I am Michael McKenzie here with you, as always, for this podcast. And in this episode, we're going to be going over my AFC standings predictions 1 through 16. And we'll base the first four off of the division winners and how they would shape up in the playoff standings, although in the AFC. Uh, This does not matter, as it does in the NFC, especially with how the NFC East is going to shape up yet again. Uh, But let's get right into it. We'll start at one. We'll go top to bottom. And starting off, we're going to start off with the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. Sitting at 14-3 and by the time the season ends. I mean, do I really need to explain this? They're returning many key defensive starters. The only real starter defensively that they lost was Breland. And they also revamped that offensive line drastically after a poor Super Bowl performance. And they had to cut Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, their two starting tackles who just so happened to miss the Super Bowl. They had to cut those two because of cap casualties. So they got to go out and find a couple new starting tackles. Just completely revamp the offensive line, and that's exactly what they did. New starting tackles are Orlando Brown and LDT. LDT had to take the break last season because uh, he was one of the frontline workers in helping defend against COVID in Canada. So obviously uh, doing phenomenal work. So we thank him and Happy that he's back in the NFL as a starting tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Orlando Brown and LDT will be the starting tackles. Interior, you got Joe Thune and Kyle Long as your guards. And rookie Creed Humphrey at center. That's a pretty good offensive line if you're KC. And Patrick Mahomes has the protection now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a year under his belt. You still got Tyree Kill, a top five receiver in the NFL. Uh, you do lose Sammy Watkins, but you still got Nicole Hardman. And Robinson still. I think that they could step up in a good role in a wide receiver two and three capacity. So I think Kansas City is pretty obviously the number one team in the AFC right now, sitting at fourteen and three. Sitting at thirteen and four at the two seed, I got the Buffalo Bills here again. Thirteen and four, they're coming off a magnificent season for Bills Mafia. They made it all the way to the AFC title game behind monster seasons from Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. One of the best seasons for Buffalo since they made it to the Super Bowl in the nineties, four straight years in nineteen ninety, ninety one, ninety two, and ninety three, uh, and falling short in all of those seasons. But the one thing you look at for Buffalo that was one of their biggest needs offensively, they, they still had one need offensively, and that was running back. Because let's be honest, Devin Singletary is not going to cut it if you're trying to be a Super Bowl contender. Zach Moss, I, I wouldn't say he wouldn't cut it for a Super Bowl contender because he showed flashes last season, a few signs that he could be that bell cow running back that could take 65, maybe even 70% of the carries. He had a few good games here and there, a few good sprinkles of runs every now and then in games, and he showed that possibly he could show up in the capacity to be a bell cow running back, take 70% of the carries for Buffalo, and be a consistent runner out of the backfield, get about four, maybe five yards of carry if you're lucky uh, for Zach Moss, but again, right around four yards of carry for Zach Moss, I mean, he showed that he could do that in what's going to obviously be a pass-first offense, but you need that run game to chew out the clock late in games, that's what playoff teams do. So I think Zach Moss has shown that he can do that in a capacity. But again, the one thing that you got to look out for Buffalo is your run defense because that didn't get terribly 
better. That didn't get insanely better uh, for Buffalo. That's going to be something to watch out for, for the Bills this upcoming season. But I got them finishing 13-4 and four as the two seed in the AFC. Finishing at the three seed, I got the Cleveland Browns at 13-4. and four. I, I And I hate to say this as a Steelers fan, but they are Cleveland is absolutely loaded heading into this season. They're coming off their best year in recent memory and had a great offseason. I mean, their best year in, you can say 18 years, but I think it was their best year in more than 18 years. They didn't win a playoff game 18 years ago. They lost at Heinz Field. They, last year, they went into Heinz Field and they smacked the shit out of the Steelers. Absolutely embarrassed a team that has owned them for 18 years. And, again, they had a great offseason, signing Jadavion Clowney, Troy Hill. They brought back John Johnson, one of the better safeties in the NFL. They drafted Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, two first-round talents with their first two picks in rounds one and two, with Koromoa being one of the biggest steals in the draft, if not the biggest steal. And they helped that secondary and that pass defense overall greatly, especially considering how well Wusu-Koromoa does in coverage. They added a key run stopper in Jadavion Clowney. And they still have a top five running back in the NFL with Nick Chubb, the best running back duo in the NFL with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And they return a top offensive line in football. If it's not a top up offensive line, it's the top offensive line in football. And we'll see how Baker does with Odell coming back. He's going to come back healthy off that torn ACL. But again, a lot of people started, started to make the argument that Odell kind of puts a little more pressure on Baker to force feed him the ball force feed him targets and it kind of took Baker down a step because when when Odell went down I'm gonna be honest I, I felt like Baker took another step or two forward it seemed like when Odell was in the game when he was playing with Baker that he that Mayfield felt forced to target him more and you especially saw that in the Baltimore game week one last season but we'll see if Baker stays at that top 15 quarterback level play which is going to be damn good for a team that has that defense, especially with what they've added defensively and that run game. We'll see if he stays at that high level of play and does not force feed Odell targets because that's honestly what it felt like uh, when he was playing with Odell. But I expect Mayfield to stay at that top 15 level quarterback play. I expect Odell and Jarvis to have a solid season. I expect great seasons on the ground from Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And I expect that defense to take enough of a step forward to give the Browns the division at 13 and 4. Sitting at the 4 seed, 12 and 5 on the season, that's my prediction at least the Indianapolis Colts. I'm pretty high on Indy this year. We'll get we'll get into Tennessee their biggest competition in the division in a little bit. But I'm pretty high on Indy. I don't think Wentz is going to be that 2017 MVP level player again, but I think he'll be good enough to win the division. He's reunited with Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator that helped lead Carson Wentz to a near-MVP season, an MVP caliber season in 2017 prior to Wentz's ACL tear. They added to the offensive line, addressing the tackle position. I believe it was Mitchell Schwartz that they signed. Let me make sure it was Mitchell Schwartz. I, I, again, I believe it was uh, Schwartz. I'm going to double-check on this. They are losing Malik Cooker. In the secondary. No, they signed Eric Fisher. That is my bad. They signed Eric Fisher. I knew they signed one of the cut KC offensive tackles. But they signed Eric Fisher. They addressed the tackle position. So they get better up front on the offensive line. 
They got Jonathan Taylor, a dude who I expect a great season from. They got Naheem Hines coming back, and they somehow got Marlon back to come back. I don't know why either side would have wanted to have Mack in a Colt uniform coming into the season, especially with what Taylor showed at the end of the season, that he could 100% be the RB1, the bell cow back that could take 70 to 75, maybe even 80% of carries. That's how good Taylor was towards the end of the season in 2020. But again, they're going to have a top running game in the league. They are returning a top five defense as well. And the pass game is the only real question mark, the real weakness on this team, to me at least. You got Carson Wentz as your quarterback, a dude who has had two lackluster seasons in a row. And I, I was an advocate for Carson Wentz being better than Dak Prescott and being a top 10 quarterback uh, heading into the 2020 season. But looking back at it, he had a lackluster 2019 and a terrible 2020 and Wentz is not going to have the excuses to fall back on this year. He's not going to have the lack of protection excuse, the injuries up front excuse. At least it doesn't, I don't think he will. He's not going to have the lack of targets excuse. He's not going to have the bad wide receivers excuse. He's not going to have the coaches excuse. He's going to have no excuses, no one to fall back on. This is all going to rely on Carson Wentz. You got serviceable wide receivers for a dude who I expect to be a serviceable at worst quarterback. With Michael Pittman, seems like he's going to have a very good sophomore season. That's what I'm expecting out of Pittman. And T.Y. Hilton, I know he's not in his prime, and I know he's not that same dude that was tearing up the league, but I feel like he's still going to have a somewhat solid season. Again, serviceable wide receivers for a serviceable, for serviceable at-worst quarterback, in my opinion at least. And I think the Colts win the division at 12-5 and five this year, and they might make a shocking postseason run. Sitting at number 5 at 12-5 and five on the season... I got the LA Chargers here. They had one big weakness last season, and that was offensive line. They improved that in a big, big way. Added Corey Lindsley and Matt Filer on free agency, a guard and a center. They drafted Ray Sean Slater at offensive tackle, an absolute beast. He locked up Chase Young in college. Chase Young had one of the most dominant seasons for a defensive player we had ever seen, and Ray Sean Slater was the only dude who successfully blocked that guy one on one. Slater is just a big, physical, strong dude. I, I love Slater. Great draft for the Chargers. They have protection for the 2020 Offensive Rookie of the Year in Justin Herbert. They still have Keenan Allen for him to throw to, and Eckler could be poised for a great season, especially in the receiving game. We saw when Eckler was healthy, Herbert was willing, and he honestly kind of wanted to give Eckler some targets out of the backfield, and that was that's one of Eckler's biggest parts of his game. Getting targets out of the backfield. Being a threat in the receiving game out of the backfield. And offensively, they're still solid. They replaced Casey Hayward with Asante Samuel Jr. And Hayward's no longer a phenomenal corner. But he was a, he was solid last year for LA. But you replace him with a young guy in Asante Samuel Jr. Who's borderline first round talent. You get him in the second round to fall to you. Mid second round. A great pick for the Chargers. And I think he's going to have a solid rookie season. He could be a slightly better than Casey Hayward, comparing Casey Hayward's 2020 to Asante Samuel Jr.'s possible and hypothetical 2021 right now. He's a promising young corner, and I feel like L.A. is ready for a playoff run this year, at least on the AFC side of things. Obviously, on the NFC side of things, they could be the Rams could be primed uh, for an NFC West division title run, but we'll get into that in the NFC episode. Make sure to check that out if you haven't already. It is already uploaded in the three episode premiere 
of the Outside of the Pocket podcast. So check that out when you're done with this one if you haven't already. So we're going to keep moving along. At number six, I got the Baltimore Ravens at 11-6. and six. Baltimore's going to be missing a key piece of the offensive line in Orlando Brown Jr. And his replacement right now, it seems as though, is a barely serviceable LT at best in Alejandro Villanueva. I mean, that dude got eaten up last season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of, if not the worst pieces of that bad Steelers offensive line. Bottom tier in the league. But they still got Lamar Jackson... They still got Marlon Humphrey. They still got Calais Campbell, Marcus Peters. J.K. Dobbins is in line for a breakout sophomore season. I feel like he's going to be the best running back from that 2020 draft class. Rashad Bateman, rookie wide receiver, is going to have a chance to give Lamar a true wide receiver number one. But I think the losses of Yannick Ngakwe and Orlando Brown and the replacements more than likely isn't going to be enough to overdo Cleveland, to beat Cleveland in a division race. They didn't get Julio, so obviously that's not going to change. But I, I, I don't feel like that they outdid Cleveland in any sense this offseason. And I don't feel like they're going to be able to outdo Cleveland this season. And the Browns are going to take the division home. Comfortably by a couple of games, actually. So now the seventh seed. I think, this is, I, I think we can all agree this is going to come down to three teams. The Titans, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. Sitting at 10 and 7, making it by the head to head tiebreaker is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hate me all you want. Call me biased, call me a homer, a delusion, or mother effer, whatever you want. I honestly don't care. Pittsburgh's got Juju back. They're getting Big Ben back. He can still throw the football pretty damn well. I don't care what AFC, what AFC North fans and what NFL fans and what PFF and what these analysts want to tell you. He can still throw the ball well. They addressed running back with Najee Harris. And I don't care what you say. They addressed offensive line. Maybe not in the most flashiest, the best additions. But you look at some of the worst pieces of that offensive line. Old Marquise Pouncey. He's retired. They got a new center, rookie Kendrick Green from the third round. And you can say, I mean, oh, he's a third round pick, fourth round talent uh, graded by me. Uh, You're not getting paid, first of all to make these decisions, to break down things and draft. I'm, I'm going to trust Kevin Colbert and the Pittsburgh front office and the dudes who are making these picks because they've done pretty damn well with them. Especially in 2019, or excuse me, in 2020, when they drafted Kevin Dotson in the fourth round. The Steelers find not only offensive linemen past the first and second rounds, but especially centers. They draft and develop centers pretty well. You talk about left tackle, Alejandro Villanueva. He was the worst piece. That dude just, like, could not block. Straight up could not block last season. He's gone. You let him walk. You're more than likely moving Zach Banner to the left side of the offensive line, who 
his he's probably not going to be better at his peak than Alejandro Villanueva was, but I expect him to be better this season than Villanueva was in 2020. Banners, he's got some quickness. He's got good feet. He's strong, and he plays with that thug mentality, and that, that's what Adrian Clem has really been preaching as the offensive line coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really, I really feel like they're going to be a lot more aggressive and physical this season. You saw them be passive and kind of not care, especially at right tackle with Chikuma Okorafor. He's, I, I think he's probably going to end up starting right tackle, which is going to be your biggest weakness, obviously. But uh, and then you look at left guard with Matt Filer. He he was solid last season, but he wasn't wasn't anything special. He wasn't great especially being forced to be a key piece of that offensive line at left guard. He's gone, and you replace him with Kevin Dotson. Kevin Dotson was clearly better last season than Matt Filer. Watching the film and watching games, Kevin Dotson was phenomenal last season for a rookie. Held his own against some of the best in the league, especially Fletcher Cox. I believe he had 342 pass-blocking snaps, zero sacks allowed, two pressures allowed. That was, that was his rookie season. Kevin Dotson's going to be a phenomenal left guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers. you got David DeCastro. Hopefully you can get him healthy this offseason. And he can get back to that true phenomenal right guard. That Pro Bowl, all pro level right guard. And then, obviously, again, your biggest weakness is going to be a core four. But they addressed offensive line. Again, not the flashiest additions and changes. But they addressed it. They got rid of the weaknesses. We're going to have to wait until... The season plays out to see if that works in favor of the Steelers. But whatever, I don't care what you say. They addressed offensive line. They did not definitively get better up front, but they did not definitively get worse up front. We're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. But they addressed offensive line, whatever you, I don't care what you say. I don't care what PFF says. I don't care what ESPN says. They addressed it. And... Again, to say that they got worse, a thousand percent, to be completely sure that they got worse is bullshit it's bull and defensively they also brought back cam sutton tyson alulu and vince williams and they get devin bush back from injury from a torn acl he had a phenomenal rookie season he had a great 2020 but prior to injury and again i know it this team is more than likely going to regress but it's not going to be my much. They're very much still going to be in the thick of things in the playoff conversation. I think they sneak in as the seven seed, getting the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Tennessee Titans, who also finished 10-7. and seven. But I have the Steelers beating them in week 14, I believe it is. Now we'll go to Tennessee. They just added Julio Jones. So that, that offense is going to be absolutely deadly. With Ryan Tannehill, and again, I'll probably make a separate episode on Ryan Tannehill, but I love that guy. I don't care what you say. I, ha- I think he's a borderline top 10 quarterback been one of the most efficient in this league since taking over at Tennessee and that, that that is just a fact he can throw the deep ball pretty well great accuracy one of the best quarterback ratings in the league one of the best passer ratings in the league he's been efficient and great for Tennessee but I look at that defense and that that's got a massive question mark on it it's the questions defensively are just looming over Tennessee. And specifically that secondary, especially with the injury history of first-round pick Caleb Farley, especially with the back injuries. He's had multiple. And that was why he went from a top-10 pick to pick number 22. 
And I think it's pretty clear that they didn't get better defensively, but they also didn't. It's pretty clear that they did not get worse defensively. It's weird. It's kind of like how the Steelers are with the offensive line. We're going to have to wait to see how it plays out to definitively say, do the, are these good offseason moves or did they, move, they screw up? Did they mess up? You add Bud Dupree up front. I like that addition. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was in Pittsburgh, obviously being the number one edge now instead of being able to feed off of T.J. Watt on the, on the opposite edge. But I still feel like he's going to be good this season for Tennessee. But looking in that division, the Colts, they got better. Looking in the general scheme of things in the playoff race, especially teams that didn't make it last year, the Chargers, they got better. Baltimore is flat out better than Tennessee. They showed that in the playoffs, beating them 20-13. to 13. And the Steelers and Titans, it's it's dead. It's really close between those two. But I think the Steelers are more well-rounded. You look at the weak, weakness in terms of which side of the ball is weaker for Pittsburgh. That's offensive. That's offense. And you look at Tennessee, their weak side. Their weakness is defense. I feel like Pittsburgh's more well-rounded. I feel like their offense is going to be better than Tennessee's defense. And I think that that completeness for Pittsburgh is going to be the reason they make it. They beat Tennessee in Week 8. And because of that, not Week 8, Week 14. And because of that matchup in week 14 going to Pittsburgh, those two end up with the same record. Pittsburgh gets in. But I, I still think Tennessee is going to be very much in the thick of things in the playoff race. And again, their schedule isn't the most favorable. So I, I think they're they're still slightly in a position to miss the playoffs. Uh, I would I still think that they are very much a team that you need to consider in the playoffs. And now sitting at number nine, I said that they were one of the three teams vying for that seven seed. It's the Miami Dolphins at nine and eight. And I know a lot of the Miami fans and a lot of Bama fans have, have come to Tua's defense this offseason. And I know they won 10 games last year and they added a couple of weapons of wide receivers and they drafted arguably the best edge in the draft with Jalen Phillips. But I think it boils down again to quarterback and offensive line play. Last year was just a not, not a good rookie season for Tua. I know he's coming off a hip surgery, all that. Give me all, all that. The injury excuses, the weapons excuse. But in two, in two of seven starts, they only put up plus 30 points once. The, the offense was inconsistent and it looked very lackluster at times. And I, I, I go back to that Raiders game. Raiders-Dolphins. That, that offense was just stagnant. It was a difficult thing to watch. And you put in Fitzpatrick and suddenly they're moving up and down the field against Las Vegas. And he seemed, un Tua at least, seemed unwilling to throw the deep ball. And again, all that can change, obviously. But looking at offensive line, there's not much to be excited about compared to last year. Austin Jackson seemed to provide somewhat of a weakness at left tackle. He was a rookie, so development obviously can happen, and he could take a step forward. And their new, their, but their new center, Matt Skura, was not great for the Ravens last season. You saw a lot of Baltimore fans actually complain about Skura, and they're happy that he's gone now because it was a huge weakness up front on their offensive line. And it'll be interesting to see how running back plays out. They had multiple guys step up like Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin. But they didn't have a solid RB1 starter. Looks like they're going to have Gaskin as our RB as our starting running back. And he's not going to be bad. But again, I think it boils down to offensive line play and Tua because their defense is solid. And I, I don't trust that offensive line. And I don't trust Tua. And I don't trust that pass game to be enough to win double-digit games and make the playoffs.
Uh, that's just, that's just me personally. Now we're going to go to number 10, also at nine and eight in this, and then in the same division, the AFC East, the new England Patriots. Look at, they'll get a few key starters back from that 2019 defense that really carried the team to an eight, no start in the, in an AFC East division title season. They have Dante Hightower, Kyle Vinoy, Patrick Chung, and Marcus Cannon coming back. And you look at Dante Hightower and the impact he has on the defensive rankings um, in the league. When Hightower plays, this is one of the best defenses in the league. When he's not playing, barely a barely mediocre defense. It'll take a step forward after a middle of the road season in 2020. The offense, though, that's where I, that's where the issues lie. Cam Newton, despite what many thought could happen under Bill Belichick, did not return to MVP form in 2020. Mac Jones lies in wait to start, but Cam, he's going to get the nod for the first half of the season, barring any injuries. Yeah, Damien Harris is solid, but the O-line lost maybe their best piece in Joe Thune. They did go crazy in free agency, signing guys like Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, traded for Trent Brown to add to the offensive line at tackle, but I still think there's somewhat of a lack of elite offensive weapons, maybe even great a lack of great offensive weapons. I think they could make a solid push for the playoffs. Again, I'm not fully on board with the New England Patriots in 2021 just yet. I I can't get on board with New England right now. That's just me. And the, sitting at 11, another team I can't get on board with, but for some reason, Vegas oddmakers are on board with this team and they're going to ride with them until they die is the Denver Broncos. I got them sitting at 7-10. and 10. It boils down to quarterback play. And you got two guys vying for the starting spot. And I'm going to... Say that Drew, I'm going to go under the assumption Drew Locke is a starting quarterback. And he straight up sucks. I'm just going to say that. Straight up sucks. Let's get it out of the way. I'm not saying development can't happen, but he hasn't given any reason to believe that it will happen to the point that the Broncos are now a playoff team. O-line is solid, middle of the pack. They did lose Juwan James, but it's right around middle, 15 to 20 range in the NFL. Receivers look promising. They got Cortland Sutton coming back. Jerry Judy, I mean, he has a massive drop issue, but his route running is absolutely phenomenal. Tim Patrick, they got a couple of solid running backs in Melvin Gordon and rookie Javante Williams. The defense is more than likely going to get healthy. But looking offensively, I still think they need some slight improvements up front and a major upgrade at quarterback to make an attempt at the playoffs. Major upgrade at quarterback. Because I don't think that run game and that defense can be good enough to carry piss poor quarterback play and we'll, we'll look at the Colts last year snuck into the playoffs as the seventh seed they had a great run game all season solid wide receivers and a great defense but Phillip Rivers was their quarterback and Phillip Rivers had a decent season but they snuck into the playoffs as the seventh seed and in a tough AFC when you're going to have expected at least horrible quarterback play in Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater I think both of them are going to provide horrible quarterback play piss poor quarterback play I don't think that that defense and a run game that, that's not going to be at the level of the Colts last year, I don't think it's going to be enough to carry this team to the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be enough to carry this team to eight wins. I got them finishing 7-10, and 10, even though right now they're the fifth favorite team in terms of Vegas odds to win the AFC. I, I don't get the hype around uh, Denver in Las, Ve in Las Vegas in the sports books right now, but that's, that's just me. Sitting at 12 in the AFC, at 5-12, and 12, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, I know since he's got the receivers, the quarterback, and a few pieces on defense, just as, like, such as Jesse Bates, but they're a team that is not, they aren't a team, actually, that, that is all-around good. 
But and, and the fact that people think they can win more games than the Pittsburgh Steelers solely because of the quarterback position is just utterly insane. Especially Adam Sheen. A dude who thinks he can't find six wins for the Steelers on their schedule. That that, that just baffles me. And, and he said that Cincinnati's going to win more games in Pittsburgh solely because of Joe Burrow. Please, please look at Cincy's defense. Look at Cincy's offensive line. They're not an all-around well-rounded. They're not an all-around good team. Their pass game is going to be very good this year. As long as new tackle Riley Reef and new guard Jackson Carmen can play well enough to give Joe Burrow just at least three or four seconds to throw. Because the wide receivers are there. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate. They're all there for Burrow to throw to. But there's no guarantee the interior offensive line makes any strides. The tackles are the only place up front, really, where you feel somewhat good. With Jonah Williams, a first-round pick from a couple of years ago, and Riley Reef, one of the better tackles in free agency, went to Cincinnati. And defensively, the front seven still poses its questions. There's, I don't think they're a, a dark horse playoff team just yet. They're close to it. But I don't think I don't think they're there just yet. I think they go five and twelve. At thirteen, the also finishing five and twelve. The Las Vegas Raiders. I I don't I don't have any faith in John Gruden and the Raiders this year. They completely decimated that offensive line. The only consistently productive wide receiver for this team. And it was Nelson Aguilar last year. Kind of surprisingly, especially considering how bad he was in Philly. He left for New England. And Josh Jacobs doesn't have the guys up front to put up the numbers he did last year. Yes, he had high per, high number of yards, but his yards per attempt was not great. He was third in the league. I believe he was third in the league in carries. The volume was there for him to put up the yards and the touchdowns, but just in terms of averages, like yards per attempt and stuff like that, that that wasn't really there for Jacobs to be a top 10 running back. And now you lose a lot of your key guys up front for Las Vegas. I don't think Jacobs is going to have a good season. I mean, and, and there were times where he didn't look impressive at all. And looking defensively, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. Their defense was abysmal last year. They got significantly worse this offseason, in my opinion, especially on that offensive line. And they should probably think about tanking. Maybe trading Carr and getting what they can for him because he's about the only bright spot on this team. I, I, I kind of like Derek Carr. He's a solid guy. Good quarterback. But he's going to be left out there stranded to die this season in Las Vegas. 5-12 and 12 season for the Raiders. At 3-14, and 14, 14 uh, seed in the AFC, 14th in the AFC standings, Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, yeah, they got T-Law. They didn't have a bad offseason in general, but but I just don't trust this team. I don't trust their young pieces out of the gate. Not saying that their young pieces down the road can't be good enough to make this team a contender, but I don't trust them right out of the gate. I don't trust them immediately. It could be another tank year for Jacksonville. I mean, there's still some holes to fill with a solid draft class coming up. They could eke out a win or two above this prediction. I feel, I feel like that their ceiling is probably about six or seven wins. But it's, I think we can all agree it's going to be another down year for Jacksonville. T-Law is going to be about the only bright spot on that team. 
you got questionable running back situation, especially with the first-round draft pick of Travis Etienne. We'll see how DJ Chark does this year. We'll see if LaVisca Chenault takes a step forward. We'll see how, uh, I think it was Marvin Jones went to Jacksonville. We'll see how he does this season. He's going to be in another wide receiver two capacity, wide receiver two role. But I think it's going to be another down year for Jacksonville. Three and 14, that's my prediction, at least for the Jags. And at 15, the Jets at two and 15. And I'm probably going to get attacked by a lot of Jets fans for this. But I literally just don't, I straight up don't get how the Jets and their fans can think about not finishing dead last in their division. There, there's some people that think that they could finish second in their division. That's just, honestly, I'm sorry, but it's pathetic. Their offensive line has two guys who I think can be good. Only one's proven in Mekhi Becton. They could, they could have a good season for Vera Tucker. I'm not, I'm not saying that's impossible. But their RB1's probably going to be a fourth-round rookie, Michael Carter. They, who, they could bring back Frank Gore, but they're probably going to be led by a fourth-round pick, Michael Carter. Corey Davis and Jamison Crowder, they're a couple of high-end wide receiver two talents, but they're not reliable week-in, week-out wide receiver ones, looking at that. And Zach Wilson, he's not made to succeed in this situation. Not right away, not out of the gate. The defensive line is probably about the only position group as a whole that you can feel good about this season coming in to 2021 if you're the Jets, but it's going to be another rough year for New York Jet football. And for the Jets fans that are expecting a good season, good luck. I, I mean, I, I hope that you are not very vastly disappointed, but I, I think that the Jets fans are going to have to suffer through another horrible year. I think it's a 2-15 and 15 horrible year for the New York Jets. I, I just don't see how they can have that much success. And at 16, the only team left, it's the Houston Texans. I think they finished 1-16. I don't need to explain too much here other than the fact that they'll get a few more wins. Maybe if Watson actually plays, but it doesn't look like he's going to play. Not only in Houston, but just in general in 2021 with the whole uh, rape allegations. 21 massage therapists coming out and saying he raped, uh, saying that Deshaun raped them. But... I mean, obviously, he's not going to play in a Texan uniform. Enjoy a number one overall pick, Houston, because that's about the only thing you have to look forward to. Uh, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick that Thibodeau kid from Oregon. You're going to go Edge, or I mean, or if that's only if Deshaun is actually still in a Texan uniform. If you haven't traded him uh, by draft time, but or are you going to get a quarterback, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, whoever steps up and be, becomes the number one quarterback in the draft class? We'll see if the Texans go ahead and go with that. But that's going to wrap it up for the AFC standings predictions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outside the Pocket. Make sure to check out our uh, rookies in the best and worst positions to succeed episode and the NFC standings episode if you haven't done that already. And this is Michael McKenzie signing off on Outside the Pocket. Have a good one.